Phobos-1 and Phobos-2 were the last space probes designed by the Soviet Union. They decided to focus their study on the moons of Mars, Phobos and Deimos. Launched on July 12, 1988, Phobos-2 entered orbit on January 29, 1989. On March 27, 1989, the spacecraft Phobos-2 went silent. After only sending 37 images, of the moon Phobos. The mission to study the moons of Mars had international backing from 14 countries, including the United States. Phobos 1 and Phobos 2 were carrying probes which would land on the surface of Phobos and take samples of the ground and return, providing valuable knowledge of Mars. Welcome to Quill and Dagger, where you can check out any time you want, but you can never leave. Is that a Hotel California reference? Yeah, it is. Good call. Very nice. I like that. I'm Jay, joined with Patrick. You'll hear him in the background just mumbling and gumbling and doing all kinds of fun things. We want to thank you for listening to and helping us with getting the word out. If you want to help, give us five stars on the platform of your choice. Follow us and send us comments. And check out our Patreon page. We want to make some exclusive items, but we don't know what to make. Drop us a line, by that I mean email, and let us know what the tiers, what should they be? What are the offers? You know, what what can we do for you? So how are you doing, Patrick? Uh, Pretty good. Enjoying the day? Yeah, I mean, it's early in the morning. There's much to enjoy. Okay, well, earlier you had a box. What was in that box? The box? Yeah. This one? Yeah, what's in there? In the box here, we have a baseball I stole from our football, local football field, um, an Xbox 360 controller, a ripped apart bootleg of a original Xbox controller. Why did you take apart the original, original, original Xbox controller? No, no, no. It was not an original. It was a bootleg. A bootleg. So you mean it was an a, uh, an aftermarket? Yeah. Bootleg means something completely different. You know that, right? Very close enough. It was made by... Mad Cats. Okay, close enough. Good to see you're uh, using your uh, spare time wisely. Hey, hey, hey. I did this like a year ago. Okay. So are you ready to enter the space race? Yes. Okay. In the world of the Soviet Union, space was huge. I know, actually, space is huge. But in this context of the Soviet Union, space was huge. Yeah, they had a lot of it. Yeah. <clears throat> At the end of World War II, the space program became the way the Soviet Union could bolster its status as a superpower, showing that the communist ideas are better and they can prove it. They did this via a whole lot of first in the space race. Now, I wasn't aware of all this, but this gets kind of crazy when you start thinking about first, okay? So in August 1957, the Soviet space program was the, they had the first intercontinental ballistic missile. Didn't we have more of those than them? No, because they had the first. We're talking in 1957, they had the first. Then October of 1967, the first artificial satellite is in orbit. Sputnik. Wait, that should be 1957. 
why do I not good at dates? So in 1957, they launched Sputnik. Freaked Americans out. Yeah. They're like, the Soviets, they're watching us. No, it was just a little little basketball-sized thing with that would beep, 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 beep. It wasn't very advanced. It but was very <clears throat> In November, the first mammal, the dog Laka, went in orbit. I think they left her out there. No, they tried to retrieve her, and she died. Didn't work out too well. Yeah, no, she died on the way back. In January 1959, the first lunar spacecraft, the first rocket engine restart in Earth orbit. Do you know how important that is? Pretty important. To be able to restart a rocket in orbit? Very. Because there's no oxygen out there. you got to do it yourself. It's a common day now. First spacecraft to leave Earth's orbit. First spacecraft on an Earth escape trajectory. Okay, so all that is stuff that you have to do to get to away from the Earth, out of its gravitational pull. They were the first ones to do all that. What I'm hearing is they were just better at space. The first spacecraft in heliocentric orbit. Oh, yeah, that's pretty important. The first hard landing on the moon. That's also pretty important. So we're... April 1961. First human space flight. Yuri Gagarin. First manned vehicle in space. August 1960. First animals and plants returned to Earth... And first capsule recovered from orbit. May 1961, first planetary flyby, Venus. In June of 63, the first woman in space, Valentina Tereshchikova. They were just taking every single accomplishment you could get. Well, think about it. It took us to the 80s to get a woman in space. Apparently, Russian women are harsher. I guess, well, I don't know. But. I mean, I, I think the Russians just learned, eh, might as well. Well, to be, to be honest, I, I think the, 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 special, the Russian space program was like, okay, put person in capsule, send capsule up. Person never had control of the capsule. It was controlled all by down below. They didn't give them a lot of leeway. I mean, yeah, why would you? So, <clears throat> They're probably stressed. Ground control isn't. There are many more examples of how the race continued, but that would just take all day. Let's just say it was going strong in the 80s. See here, they also had the first automated onboard development of foot. This was important. They developed the way to take a photograph with a camera, develop the camera, develop the film, and send that image back to Earth via radio signals. So they created the first ever post, basically? Post? No. I, there's nothing to post it to. Radio. <laughs> so, like, the, the they created the first, I don't know, fax machine. They were able to take a photo, convert it to digital form, send it, or radio form, some form that can be transmitted on a radio, send it back to Earth, and can develop the photo on Earth. So, why study Phobos and Deimos? You know, in 1887, Asif Hall, an astronomer at the United States Naval Observatory... Why are you showing me the phone? This is the... The first fax was in 1843. Okay, so it wasn't like... it. it was it from the moon? No. Okay, so they, they got that covered. Anyway, so... 
an astronomer in 1877 at the United States Naval Observatory discovered that Mars has two small satellites, Phobos and Deimos. Phobos is named for the Greek god and the personification of fear and panic. It's kind of kind of spooky. Yeah. Phobos, the Greek god, was the son of Ares and Aphrodite and the brother of Deimos, the other moon, the smaller moon. Deimos is the personal god of dread and terror. He used to say these were not happy brothers. Yes, that does not sound like a... And, and it was an interesting choice indeed. Uh, they're also considered to be the doomed moons of Mars, as Phobos is in a descending orbit and will eventually collide with Mars. And Deimos is in an ascending orbit and will eventually leave a Mars gravitational pull. So they're doomed. They're, you know, a few million years down the road. Yes. It's not going to happen like, you know, next Tuesday. Oh, there, go, oh, there goes Deimos. He's early. No, it's uh-huh. not going to be like that. Now, the theory of how they came to be is still up for discussion from breaking away the planet Mars or their asteroids that got caught by Mars's gravitational pull or they were a moon of Mars is one thing and they split. They're not really sure. No one really knows of it. So, so why do you want to study them? Well, like most things, it's considerably easier to study the surface and get samples of a moon than it is a planet because there's no atmosphere really for them to have to go through and come back. So it's a lot easier to go in, land, send your probe in, have it land, collect its dirt, and launch it back up and then cruise your way back to Earth as opposed to landing on Mars and coming back to Earth. But oddly enough, we've done Mars more times than we've had anybody on Phobos. Have we ever had anybody on Phobos? Uh... No, but this this might be why the story that we're talking about might be why we've never had anybody on Phobos. Phobos is an interesting satellite of Mars. Interesting. So anyway, the goal was to go and study and find out what they could think they could think of and how it related to the surface of Mars to try to eventually get to Mars. We've wanted to get to Mars for ever. So. <clears throat> Now, the mass of Phobos is the interesting thing. The mass of Phobos has been determined from uh, radio science data, as well as modeling of its rotation and forced liberations, all or libations, no liberations. All that to say that the mass has some anomalies. And the prevailing theory is that the interior of Phobos is porous or hollow huge but it's not it doesn't move like it's weight like it's got a huge mass it's easily jiggles you know it's not like a giant rock of iron it's a giant rock of lava rock or something I'm not sure okay uh, <clears throat> there's another thing on it that has grooves okay if you look at the we have some photos on instagram and if you go look at those photos you're going to see there's an infrared shot of Phobos, which shows what looks like tunnels. And that t- the photo is of under the ground. So that's one of the it's hollow theories. And then there's a really good photo of what they call the grooves. It looks like 
a claw, just took a big and left these claw marks on it. They don't know how they got there. They don't know what they're doing there, but it's a weird, it's like five mountain rangers straight in a row with valleys between each one of them. Looks just like a claw mark. Yeah, that actually reminds me. There's a moon of Saturn with like a very with like one crater on it that makes it look like the Death Star. And when we took like, I think it was like a, I don't remember what it's called, but like, sort of a thing that saw heat. It looked like Pac-Man. I felt like I must say this, for it's just funny. Okay. Okay. That's it. You just want to tell me that Saturn has a moon. Yeah, Saturn has their own funny moon. Space travel itself is kind of dangerous, and it's it's not very dependable. Uh, I guess that's why we've you know, gone on as, only as far as the moon, and we only did that a couple times. But it's not uncommon to lose a satellite after launch. You know, uh, what was it, last year, this year, last year, something like that, SpaceX lost 40 of 47 satellites following a geometric storm a day after the launch. Dang. I think that was in 2020. That's called luck. Not good luck. Good luck of the Irish. You know he uh, he's he's New Zealand New Zealander New, New Z, from New Zealand. Okay. E- Elon Musk, the guy that owns SpaceX, he's so it wouldn't be luck of the Irish because he's not Irish. Yeah, but it's like sort of like the other luck of the Irish. We're not gonna no, we're not. Hmm. So it happens, and it happened with uh, Phobos, the Phobos mission. As we said earlier, the idea was to send two satellites to the moon. Each one had a probe to send to the surface, gather samples, and return to Earth. Launched around the same time, Phobos-1 lost contact and was lost two months into the mission. So that's like, oh, here's you a check for a billion dollars. Put it in the fire. Phobos-2 made it to orbit. Now, when I say this is when it gets interesting, this is when it gets interesting. Phobos-2 had an infrared camera, took a photo of that... uh region that we were talking about known as the hydro chaos it shows what's interpreted as underground tunnel system now again check our instagram then phobos 2 stopped sending photos for 24 days the next photo showed a shadow on the surface of mars from space and they know this isn't a camera glitch because it was taken with multiple cameras. So if you put your hand from your ceiling fan, okay, or your light, and you and you hold it close to the floor, ground, you're going to see that you have a very defined hand. But as you raise it, that shadow is going to dissipate. Think of how, now the larger it is, it's going to stay. Mm-hmm. So, there, there, so... Think of how large an object had to be to put a shadow on the surface of Mars from orbit. Okay, so I did the math real quick. No, you didn't. No, I did the math about like how expensive each photo was, assuming that Phobos 2 is a billion dollars. Those are $27 million photos. Pretty good, okay. So uh, the shadow, scientists somehow can tell from a still photo, they say it was moving, and it was... 1.2 miles wide, or 2 kilometers wide, I have no idea how long it was, but it looks like a cigar. You know, kind of a long, thin thing. A churro. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Phobos 2 went silent. That's not good. 
No, it just... Bloop. Now, there are rumors that Phobos II sent more than 37 photographs. Now, if anything we know about the Soviet Union is that they don't advertise mistakes. Uh, that's true to this day with the uh, Russian Federation and all that. They don't advertise mistakes. I mean, who does want to do that? I mean, no one really wants to, but it just shows how much of a closed society it is that, you know, they didn't do that. So, <clears throat> following the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991, a colonel in the Russian Air Force, Marina Popovich, she released or brought out a photo, smuggled it out of the Soviet Union, that showed an object that they think destroyed Phobos. In the, Phobo, in the, in the photo of Phobos, yes. it shows another object. This object is moving towards the, uh, the moon, Phobos. It's long and straight, and, you know, it's black and white photo. There's not much detail, but it's an object moving toward what looks like the moon of Phobos. Again, this was caught on multiple cameras by Phobos 2 and sent back. And this is the object that allegedly destroyed Phobos to the satellite. The official report says that the satellite lost two of its three computers and could not function with one of the computers. And when it failed, they lost contact, which sounds very believable until you start looking at the photographs. You're like, what, what is that? What is that thing that looks like a pencil on a piece of paper flying toward whatever it's flying toward? I mean, we don't even know if it's flying toward the satellite or toward the moon Phobos but there's something there's a third object in the photo from the there's a there's a, the satellite taking the photo the thing that it's taking the photo of and there's a third object that we have no idea what it is except that it's huge you know we're talking like Independence Day mothership huge oh yeah I saw that movie yeah there could be more than 37 photos. There could be... I mean, actually, I think that one was number 38. There could be more. We don't know. Because, again, they circle the ships, and they they could have burned them. You know, they could, they're could. they in hiding somewhere. Who knows where the lost photos of Phobos 2 mission are? Yeah. Probably burned. Maybe. <clears throat> I can't imagine it. But. So... <clears throat> My final thoughts here on this. Space is amazing. The universe is amazing. The things learned from space exploration cannot be dreamed up on Earth as we as a people have a need to keep moving. You know, I, I believe that we're explorers. And it's in our nature, whether it's internal or external, we're always exploring. I like to believe that's peer pressure. Peer pressure? Yeah, everyone's just pressuring each other into exploring. Oh. You should get on that boat and see where it goes. But I don't want to. Get on the boat and see where it goes. I bet it goes to someplace fun. I found gold. Come on, let's go. I'll go with you. Let's go. We'll get our families to go. Said no one. Anyway. Or said the pilgrims. Let's go crash into a rock. It's not that big of a rock. Yeah, but they somehow found a way to find it. I don't even... I mean, actually, yep. that I think... Well, they don't actually know if that's the actual rock, but... Yeah, to be fair, they did actually go... They were trying to go to Jamestown. They missed it by quite a bit. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Columbus was looking for India. I mean, he found the... Not India. He was closer to India than he was before. Actually, no, he was further away. Yeah. Never mind. Okay. He was. He somehow got further away from the place he was looking for. It happens. Now, I can't say if there's alien life in the universe. Science, there's the mathematical certainty. I disagree with their methods. I think they're. I think what it is, if you, if you have, if you make the numbers big enough, you can make anything a probability, a certainty. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. You disagree with me on this, don't you? Yes. Of course the numbers have to be big. There's a big universe. Well, yeah, but the, if you have a big enough uh, data collection, you're always going to get the answer you want. That's why it's just... It's ludicrous. <laughs> and which is why I, I firmly believe in the Fermi Paradox. Okay. And the Fermi, par- Fermi Paradox, well... It's basically, where are they? So, <clears throat> we all we seem to be alone in the cosmos. We've had, like, the wow signal. There's these odd things on Mars and the moon. But, really, that's about it. We got all these radio telescopes. We can see, I think, now 16 billion years into the past. Which is kind of odd, since the universe is only 13.8 billion years old. No, no, it's it's they made it older. The Webb telescope was able to see further back. The only reason we know it was, we say it was 13 billion is because uh, the, uh, the Hubble could only see back 13 billion and on its infrared because it would get the red light. Because, you know, red is the, the color that is transmitted back that's the oldest. Yeah. The Webb satellite was able to go further back. Still red, but it's... More red. More red, I guess. But it's like, they added an extra 3 billion years to the age of the universe because they were able to go further back. So, saying it's 13, we know it's at least 13 billion. It could be older. We just can't see that far back because it's that far away. Does that make sense? Yes. So you don't disagree with me on that? I probably do. I have no idea. Okay. I'm just going to say I don't I do agree with you. What this would make sense. This is not really controversial. It is very controversial in my brain. Okay, here's how the story goes with the Fermi paradox. In the summer of 1950, physicist uh Enrico Fermi, uh his friends Edward Teller, Robert York, and Emil Konopolisk, Kompinski. There you go. These are like the superstars of physics and all this stuff. They've all done amazing things, and they're like, wow, to get those group of people together. Well, they would walk to lunch. And now, as they were walking to lunch, recent UFO reports and the possibility of faster-than-light travel, those were the conversations of choice. And they moved on to other topics, okay? And they were just like, blah, 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 talking physics. Physics, 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 physics. Space, UFO, physics. It was probably you would probably have loved the conversation. I would have. I probably would would have been like, okay, I think I I understand that word. Okay, uh, I I understand that word. So, <clears throat> and they moved on to other topics during lunch. 
and the story varies on what he actually said. But basically, Fermi's sitting there and he's eating, and he goes, "But where the hell are they?" That that that's the Fermi paradox. If you have absolute certainty that these civilizations existed, why have we found no evidence of these civilizations, of these people, of these entities existing? We have pretty good capabilities now. We got nothing. Now, I'm not saying it's like they're, they're going to be like, oh, we have a signal, but odds are if they're anything like us, they're going to be looking too. Of course, they might not be anything like us. They might be, we're carbon-based life forms. Who knows? Maybe they can be an argon-based life form, and we would never know. Is it argon explosive? It, yeah, I think so. That would be interesting. Fun at parties. Yes. Uh, or they could be a, an iron-based life form. They will be very dense. Uh-huh. They don't listen. Yeah. I have my own ideas about why we haven't found anything I'm sure you have your own ideas, and it's going to be probably something to the effect of, well, they just haven't gotten here, or... They're dead. They're dead, and they existed before us, and then we're the ones around now, and there'll be somebody behind us, but we still should have found some kind of ruins or something. Easy. Uh, so, like, there's, like, these storms that happen, and, like, that's what got rid of them. You're talking like the... So, like, you know, like, that scene on the first episode of Futurama... Where, like, they just destroyed everything. We rebuilt without any knowledge of what's there. Yeah, that's sort of what happened. Okay, so you think all the aliens come from Earth. Yes. Aliens come from Earth. Then they destroy themselves. Then Earth just sort of covers it up and is just like, okay, next. That's an interesting theory. But, you know, like I said, we'll just stick with everybody has their own for now. And, and I'm eager to hear what, what yours is out there in podcast land. Send us an email. Tell me what your theories are on whether or not there is life out there. And if so, why? Why is the Fermi Paradox, why is it a thing? What can disprove it? Why does it still exist if we know for certain that there's life out there? You know, what happened on Phobos? What was that thing? Uh, send me an email at quillandagger75 at gmail.com. Or just check out our notes, where you can find links to our Patreon page, our website, and our email. This is a fascinating story, and I don't imagine that it's going to go away. It's just going to branch out into further and further discussions of space and possibilities and things like that. About what really happened. I mean, we still got the whole moon thing. I read an article the other day about how NASA is looking into using a crater on the far side of the moon to build a radio telescope like Arecibo in uh, Puerto Rico because the moon itself would block out all the radio transmissions from the Earth. That would be a very fascinating thing to do. So look into that. Uh, that's really what we got today on Phobos 2. We don't want to keep you around for too much longer. Patrick, do you have any final things? Um, please donate to our Patreon. We need more money for mic stands so I can stop writing to the table. I mean, it's true. All those little nudges and stuff. That's, yeah. Yeah, we have, don't have enough microphones. But thanks for watching. Wait, wait. You didn't watch. Thanks for listening. Yes. And until next time, have a good one.